What's going on, y'all? It's your boy, Cool Colos here, and you are now tuning into a new episode of the Pro Black Blurred Kingdom Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be focusing on everything that's black man-centric, but I'm going to be talking about a lot of different things that go into this idea of, of speaking about the black man. The first thing that I'm going to talk about is the black brute trope. I'm then going to be talking about some scenes where I saw some anti-blackness in the movie Alita. I'm then going to be talking about this whole trope of blaming the black man, specifically from statements made by Stacey Abrams and Tiffany Cross. The fourth thing I'm going to speak about is shitting on poor black men and my beliefs on that. And then the last thing I'm going to speak about is something that I just recently noticed came up. The return of your girl, Big Sassy. We're going to get into all of that and much more coming up now. When it comes to the black brute trope, everyone loves to have a villain to blame. They love to have somebody to beat down and to make the scapegoat for all their issues and shortcomings and insecurities and their lack of accountability. And for the world, that's the black man. And we're going to take a moment to dive deep into what that looks like. But let's start by talking about something that I see regularly in media. Let's talk about what I call, again, the black brute trope. For those of you who do not know, the black brute trope is one is where is one of those character templates where your beloved white supremacists love to use um, this image to where they want to paint a black man as a brutish character who is angry, enraged, irrational, a bully, and a petty antagonist. And I have seen this in many characters, such as Chuck from Riverdale, who was black in the comics, but was a minor character and was a good friend of Archie's. He was known to be easygoing and friendly in the comics as well. And then in the television series, they painted him as an asshole, a womanizer and a bully. He actually was a semi major antagonist in the first season. Now that I'm thinking about it. They had an episode where he went on a date with Veronica, who was one of the main characters, and afterwards he quote-unquote slut-shamed her, as they said on the show. And he spread rumors about her and saying that she was hoeing, basically. See, they love to televise the big, bad nigga on television, victimizing and defiling the poor little white Hispanic woman. The reason why it was cool for him to be easygoing in the comics and not on television is because they know everyone was going to be able to see this brutish black man on television, whereas no one will be aware of his mild-mannered, friendly demeanor as they described in the comics. One thing I notice that they do is make the black brute, not in all cases, but in a lot, a dark-skinned black male. See, there are a handful of dark-skinned sisters who cry colorism when they believe someone doesn't want them for something that has nothing to do with their actual skin color, but we'll never talk about how the dark-skinned black man gets turned into the black brute quite often on television. 
One instance is the black kid who was on the show Superman and Lois, and his name was Sean Smith. He was dating this little white Hispanic girl who would later get stolen from him by Clark Kent's son, Jordan Kent, who was also white. Sean would often bully Jordan before he had his powers, and he seemed to be an aggressive boyfriend as well, too. Then this little white superboy had to come to her rescue and steal her from the big, bad, black bully, who, by the way, was a dark-skinned black male, and this was done on some white savior shit. But that isn't the only instance of white saviorism, folks. In the show P-Valley, you know, Another infamous LGBT softcore porn program disguised as a wannabe stripper show also did this as well, too. They had Keyshawn, a dark-skinned black woman, get victimized by a black bully at her school who happened to be a dark-skinned black boy. He had made fun of her for her skin color. And then, guess who comes to her rescue after the big, monstrous, dark-skinned Negro had disrespected her? Dun, 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 dun. It's Super Mayo, also known as Derek. You know, the white boy who she was hooked on that ended up abusing her and her kids. That's right. He tackled this nigga, this big bad nigga, for making fun of her and her dark skin, despite having dark skin his damn self. Family, pay attention to that. Making him dark skin was for the optics. They wanted everybody to know that this bully was a dark-skinned black male. And he was a dark-skinned black male who was getting taken down by a white boy. A dark-skinned black male who, when getting taken down by the white boy, was because he was victimizing this dark-skinned black woman. At this point, he was portrayed this way to make him seem more beastly in the eyes of everyone watching. Speaking of dark-skinned black male brutes, you then have Luke Cage, specifically in season two. If you remember correctly, there was an episode where Luke and Claire got into a fight because at the time they were dating. But things were going south because Luke was having issues with confronting his father for the issues that he had with him. So the show felt the need to make a statement by presenting Luke Cage as the dumbass bulletproof black man who has no emotional intelligence and needs his woman to be the voice of reason for how he should behave. Claire's all annoying. I want to cross over to different series just to sleep with a different main character ass badgered the hell out of Luke about how he needed to talk to his dad about how he hurt him. And Luke just didn't want to talk about it at some point. Luke grew angry and began punching the fuck out of a wall because he was tired of her badgering him about speaking to his dad because she kept going on and on about it, although he said he didn't want to talk about it. So Claire did this weird spazzy shit where she tried to crowbar him punching a wall into this thing where he was trying to hit her. And she was like, I, 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 I need to I need to go back to my roots. And and, and she was saying all this other goofy shit. Then they spent the rest of the season beating down on Luke literally in every way possible as punishment for getting angry. Like, literally, because of the fact that she wouldn't shut the fuck up. So then, that bitch-ass nigga, I can't stand this nigga, DW, 
I think y'all remember him. He was the barbershop dude. Watched his so-called friend get beat down by Bushmaster and made a t-shirt about it to profit off of it. Luke had to sleep in the in the barbershop, in the barbershop chair because Claire left him and he had to be out the crib. And eventually that same asshole, DW, threw him out of the shop just because he thought that Luke was going down a dark path when he got his inheritance from Mariah after Tilda killed her monkey ass. Pay attention with me here, though, cool click. When they wrote all of season two, that was a shot at the black man. That was this mission of white supremacists and the mammies that followed to make this narrative that black men are beastly creatures who are so blinded by rage even when their women hold them accountable for their actions so much that they would hit them. They would potentially hit them. Then they punish Luke the entire season because that's exactly how they feel about us. And you know, another black brute that many won't talk about is my boy Killmonger. He was the king of black brutes. And while he was in dark skin, he was the full recipe for a brutish black man. He was created in a way where everyone who would see him as a character would see him as blinded by rage and anger to the point where he was destructive despite his intentions. That's why they also made him a black American man. They wanted to send a message. Hey, y'all, look at this nigga Killmonger. That right there is an angry Negro, the angry FBA Negro at that. See, you don't want to be like him. This nigga is the type that will kill his own people and his girl, despite her being down for whatever he wanted. But see, something unexpected happened here that I don't think Marvel was really prepared for. It backfired. The plan really backfired because it seemed that they were going for the angry, nonsensical Negro approach with his character. And all they did was polarize folks with some agreeing with his ideals and others maybe seeing him as kind of villainous. His character created a dynamic that had never been a thing before with Marvel. Speaking of black brutes, have you all seen the movie, the movie Alita? Man, they had a character in there played by, I think his name was Jorge. He's either Jorge or George Lindeborg Jr. And his name was Tanji. Tanji was one of two black characters in the whole damn movie, both of which were antagonistic. And this character specifically was a first class asshole, although he wasn't really an antagonist. He just had antagonistic behavior. I mean, they had dude just terrorizing Alita when he first met her. So now you got this white woman robot in Alita who was getting bullied by this black man. Here we go again, making the black man look like a villainous beast that terrorizes the defense, the, you know, the defenseless white woman. At some point, too, there was a love interest and he's somebody who was friends with Tanji. So Tanji kept getting on his friend's case, the love interest, that is, to Alita because he was into Alita, who was a cyborg. So there was this game that they were playing, and I think it was called Motorball, which was kind of like rollerblading combined with basketball. So apparently they made it where Alita was able to beat him, beat him being Tanji, in Motorball, 
and he antagonized her for it. And she beat him, beat down on that brother too in that game. See, this is the type of shit you got to watch out for, y'all. White supremacists will do little weird sneaky shit like inserting this type of depiction. They'll make a black character really antagonistic and villainous and usually he is victimizing some sort of woman and a lot of times it's a white woman. Then they will have that bully get checked either by that white woman or by some other man who generally is white. That's right. This here is a reminder by white society that no matter how big and bad you niggas think you are, there will always be a white person around to get your ass in check. This is a way to justify that we, black men, deserve to be beat down in society, and in turn, everyone will treat us that way as well. This is also why black men have become the faces of toxic masculinity. And I also saw a lot of anti-blackness in that movie, Alita, which, by the way, wasn't all that to begin with, if I'm being honest. And they were very disrespectful. First of all, as I said, you had two brothers in the movie, and both were made to be villainous or to have antagonistic behavior. They had Mahershala Ali, who played the central antagonist, but even he was being controlled by another entity that really was responsible for all the evil shit that was going on in this dystopian society that they were living in. There was this scene, though, where Tanji was having a conversation with this Asian chick whose name was Koyomi. I believe that's how you say it. And the two of them were talking about his dislike for Alita. In the clip, though, Kayomi asked Tanji, why don't you like her? Tanji then said, I just never got the whole hard body thing. And besides, she's Urn. It means she's prob she probably was the enemy at one point. This little Asian trick then rolled her eyes and said, yeah, 300 years ago, get over it. See, y'all, that moment right there really didn't sit right with me. Matter of fact, that ruined the damn movie for me. That was crowbarred in by some suspected white supremacists who created, produced, and wrote the film. Specifically by Leita, I believe that's how you say her name, Calogridis, who is a white woman of Greek descent. And it was produced by three men who were white or white Hispanic. One being James Cameron, who directed Terminator, David Valdez, and John Lando, I think that's how you say John Lando, or Lando, Lando or Lando, I don't know, who won an Oscar for producing Avatar. It's interesting how a bunch of white folks created the film and threw this little tidbit in there to mock the pain that the descendants of black American slaves still suffer from to this day at the hands of anti-black racism and white supremacy that was caused by the white supremacists. You know, the whole slavery happened a long time ago narrative. The whole, you all got to get over it and pull yourselves up by your bootstraps concept that white supremacists love to say. This was so blatant, I'm surprised more people didn't catch this shit. I mean... The brother even said that he didn't like Alita because she was a part of a race of people who were an enemy to his people. And this was definitely a theme throughout the entire movie. That was symbolic. 
Alita's race was symbolic of white folks today and having an actual black man show his frustration at Alita's existence was symbolic of the cry of black people in America about how we've been disrespected and murdered and pilfered and pillaged and much more at the hands of white supremacists. And it doesn't even surprise me that they got an Asian chick to do their dirty work. They really reenacted the the stereotypical attitude of the Asian community to the oppression of black folks. They show how a lot of them are just tools of white supremacy. And then they had this nigga smile afterwards sheepishly like he like he just knew he needed to come to his senses or some shit. This shit was disgraceful. This shit was downright disgraceful. And this is one of the reasons why I encourage full divestment. We as black people do not have to stand around and accept any old type of outrageous treatment or disrespect. We have the right to walk away from shit instead of throwing our hands up. And most of us, when we do that, we just say, what are we going to do about it? The answer is leaving, nigga. Leaving. It's really that simple. On top of that, too, notice that the per- the the person who got told to get over it in this movie was a black man. I just want to throw that out there. It was a black man specifically. Now I want to take a moment to step outside of the realm that deals with entertainment media and speak about news-related media. So as of late, I have been seeing different hot takes in the political and news realm, and these hot takes have been black men getting blamed or demonized and the persons doing this happening to be black women. Let's talk about Tiffany Cross's ass first. For those of you who don't know who she is, she is a journalist and a political analyst who works for the Saturday morning MSNBC show. Recently, she made a point to say she knows that black men sometimes feel ignored or put down, but she thinks that we are not seeing the truth that is happening and that we need to get in line with black women. She alluded to us following policies that harm black people. And she also took a stab at Kevin Samuels and Tariq Nasheed, saying some of us are swayed by them, and then alluded to the idea that these are um, oppressed people who end up aligning with the oppressor. These being black men, saying we are the people who are oppressed who end up aligning with our oppressor when we listen to them. First of all, I need to make something very clear. And I think I've said this before on a previous podcast episode. I was not a big fan of some of the ways that Kevin Samuels moved. And I made that very clear in the past. But the man is dead. I mean, seriously, why bring him into this? And I'm not one who tries to police people on being gentle or kind with people who have passed when they really were assholes when they were alive. But stop trying to resurrect him when he isn't even here to impact black men on moving in the way that you say that we're moving. A lot of y'all who brought into this disrespectful documentary that Daniel Reed directed did the same thing really with Michael Jackson. You're still doing the same thing with Michael Jackson. They're trying to erase the man's legacy and besmirch him in death when that man was totally innocent. 
I'll get on my feeling around Michael Jackson and what happened with that in another video, but I just wanted to make that point. Also, I, I sense an issue of discernment. Kevin Samuels gets crowbarred into being pro-black, and I personally don't believe that he's pro-black. Actually, I thought he said quite a bit here and there that was rather off-code. He was a YouTube personality who claimed himself to be a relationship consultant who had a straight no-chaser approach to his methods. Tariq Nasheed, however, is a pro-black activist and film director who advocates for FBA culture and works to empower black people. These two get grouped together when what they do at this point are in different categories. Often they even get called hoteps. But the problem I have is that, and I've said this before, is that using the word hotep as a pejorative is really anti-black and disrespectful in itself. The term hotep means to be at peace. When it is used as a pejorative, it is used to demean, mock, and disrespect brothers and sisters who believe in promoting the importance of understanding and respecting African culture or heritage and its true history. My feeling is that what a lot of these people do is they use this term quite often, and what they really are trying to do is conflate issues of promoting so-called misogyny, scamming, grifting, and being out of touch with reality into one term that really isn't quite fitting for what they're trying to exemplify. The great hoteps of this world were powerful leaders, rulers, and people who deserved respect for their integrity and pride. To understand oneself is to have inner peace with oneself. This pejorative is the direct opposite of that, though. It's all about being chaotic, rude, and having a lack of discernment. And I know I went a little off topic here, but basically I said that to say I've heard people call both these men hoteps or make jokes about it in the past. And I think that might be why Tiffany Cross grouped and conflated them together when she spoke on who we shouldn't listen to. Also, let's be clear. Black men don't just feel like they are ignored. Y'all asses are really ignoring us. We are your villains, and even some of you sisters, not all because a lot of queens really aren't this way, some of you have chosen to divest from us. A lot of you who think like Tiffany Cross are just low-key coons who have a big echo chamber and an even bigger mouth, so you don't really appear that way. You appear like a big, bad superheroine who had the courage to divest from their men and speak your truth quote-unquote, and are, quote-unquote, strong enough to take a stand against black men since you have been convinced that we are your enemies. I mean, even if you listen to the way Tiffany Cross said what she said, and you can look it up yourself, it's almost as if she is kind of disregarding how we feel and what we know. It's like she didn't even really give a damn. At some point, though, during the conversation, she even said, I'm not bashing black men, but... And then she proceeded to belittle us. You're talking about getting on code with black women like you speak for all black women and that they, in fact, 
move just like you, all of them, right? And they should ignore us. It's like you are insinuating that we are the idiots or morons who just can't seem to get on code in society with black women who mentally have gotten with the program. How did we get to the point where sisters like her are comfortable in being outright disrespectful to black men as if they are our bosses or masters? They get on television and televise their disrespect for us. I mean, get in line. We aren't slaves and you aren't our slave master. They would never talk to other people in other communities like that and make that type of distinction. They would never tell Asians, specifically Asian men, to stop listening to Asian influencers who are men. I mean, you can't even breathe wrong at this point in the direction of an Asian without it being a stop Asian hate campaign. But a white person can green light you talking all greasy to black men like that? And you go through with it? I mean... Think about the tone she's even taking with black men and the idea that this is being put out there as if it's okay. It really chaps her ass that black men are not falling for the bullshit tricks that white supremacist liberals play into. And also, that whole thing about us aligning ourselves with the oppressor, quote unquote, is some hypocritical double standard shit. First of all, the likes of Tariq Nasheed fights against white supremacy, and if we are speaking politically, he is claimed to be apolitical. I myself also said, have said in the past that I am apolitical and don't support one particular party over the other because they both are rooted in white supremacy, and Malcolm X also said that too. Any political decision I make will be for the benefit of blacks because of of wanting to get specific tangibles for blacks. And I know many other black men who are really on that same tip. My second point to that is you are a democratic shield and you align yourself with the Boulay group. The Democrats are huge oppressors and white supremacists. That's why they hire people like you and the people who align with to be the black mascots for everything that they would love to say about black people. It's not oppression just because it's not all in your face matter of fact most racism anti-black racism and oppression isn't even really in our faces today it's covert this is the democrats whole get up though y'all it's rather hypocritical to insinuate that black men are aligning themselves with conservative oppressors when you and sisters, and some brothers too, like you, have aligned yourself with liberal oppressors who will shake your hand and stab you in the back later. And you know, some of this could be because she's paid to say this shit, and some of this could be because she actually believes it. But she's over here acting like the Democrats have historically done right by black society, and time and time again, they have failed to do anything for the black community that has been loyal to them for all this time. Mind you, we get no reparations, no laws to protect our people when race soldiers kill us in police brutality or nothing. All we get are a bunch of excuses and the likes of people like Kamala Harris, 
pandering to us by talking about how she listened to Tupac in college and smoked weed. But then later she said that she can't even do shit for us. I mean, the headline of what Tiffany Cross and this whole thing even covered was said black men could play a critical role in Georgia elections. They aren't even shy about their disdain for us and blaming us, especially for the whole thing with Stacey Abrams and her saying that she's currently losing to Georgia. And I actually want to talk about that for a second. They did all this scapegoating of black men and Stacey Abrams is on the same damn tip as as Tiffany Cross, y'all. And for those of you who don't know Stacey Abrams, she is a Georgia politician who is running for governor of Georgia, and she has publicly stated on interviews such as the 85 South Central Comedy Show that she is not going to do things for black folks. Not specifically. This is the same woman who said politicians can't do anything specifically or so they say they're doing some specifically for black folks because they represent only 12% of the population and that she would lose other people if she chose to do something specifically for black folks. And she responded in that way when Chico Bean asked her or questioned her as to why politicians can't do or say that they're doing something for black people specifically and why they always try to say something like people of color or underserved or underprivileged people like why do they use that terminology and why don't they do anything and that was her response basically this was your girl she said that you know we make up 12 percent of the population and you know we can't they can't do nothing for us and let's be clear She said that, yet Asians and the $5 Indians represent even less of the population, and they get tangibles and laws and campaigns. Like, think about it. They got the Stop Asian Hate campaign that I talked about that blacks really got made the face of anyway. This woman, in so many words, said, I can't and I'm not going to do nothing special for you niggas. But still vote for me because if not, I won't win. I mean, do you do you know how asinine that is, Cool Click? Do y'all know how asinine that shit is? And I can't stand people who think that that way, that mentality actually makes some type of sense. That's like going to a store because you are looking for a cleaning product that you need to get because you spilled some grape juice on your white tea. You look all over and you see this product that may be a good fit for your needs. And you look at the label and the label even says white t-shirt cleaner. Then you talk to a sales rep who tells you that it doesn't actually remove stains. It only cleans the shirt so that you won't be funky and musty after you've worn it. But, But the blotches for the most part will still stay on when you use it. Then afterwards, you tell her that this isn't helpful to your problem. And then she turns around and says, well, only 12% of the population needs a product that removes stains like grape juice from white teas. So they couldn't make it happen, but you should still buy it anyway. Then when you say, nah, I'm smooth and either 
not buy the product or find a new route, just like, like just buying a new shirt or making something homemade, they get mad at you and blame you for not buying the product anyway. Oh, I, I will only make sales if white t-shirt wearing customers just buy my product because doing something is better than doing nothing. Like, how stupid is that? Do y'all see how ridiculous that is? So, anyway, there's this video out there where she promised to invest in the futures of the Hispanic community and is saying that regardless of their documentation status, that they will be entitled to get into great schools and she'll invest in their businesses and all this other stuff. And see, to me, when she said that, she literally went to the Hispanic community and said this. And this is very specific, y'all. This is specific because immigration status does not affect black Americans who are foundationally from here. She was very specific when it came to them. And they are considered a so-called minority like she alluded to in the past. Even if you go to her website and look at her policies, there aren't even they aren't even specific to black men, although she has a black man campaign like to, to appeal to black man to, uh, to the black man. And I'm only mentioning black men because Stacey Abrams made the delineation first. If you look through her policies. It looks like they're, they might be for all black folks or some of them might be for all black folks. And even one in particular talks about closing a racial wealth gap for minority and non-minority businesses. And even if you keep looking, some of her policies go as far as to help all people, especially when one of the headlines says, make housing affordable for everyone. That sounds like a trick bag to me, family. And the reason why I say that is because you have a whole black man campaign. You bitched and whined about black men being the brunt of what you need in order to win. And you made a campaign to say you're going to advocate for them in these ways. And then you didn't even advocate specifically for black men. So now I got to ask the question, what actually is she doing specifically for black men? Since she made a point to point us out. This is the thing. Black men are not falling for the bullshit anymore. And that's why, Stacey Abrams, that's why your ass is losing. We know now we don't have to be like the old niggas before us, you know, some of them at least, and just accept any old thing. Us and a lot of other sisters even really see through the bullshit that you and the other black politicians like you know, the Kamalas and the Obamas have tried to do in the past. And we're not falling for it. As of late, though, Stacey Abrams has been alluding to the fact that she has been losing thus far in the polls and that she needs the black man's vote for her seat in Georgia. And in a way, she is almost blaming us for why she's losing. And it's like, no, woman, you're losing because we aren't an automatic vote like you're saying that we should be we don't owe you a damn thing of all the years that we have supported the democrats even when those old tired niggas browbeat us about voting out of fear and didn't do a damn thing either we did not get a damn thing and now you are going public saying that we can't do you can't do nothing for any of us well stacy abrams we as black men can't do shit for you either ma'am it's time to start making real tangible promises or expect to keep fucking losing Besides, I'm not in Georgia any damn way. <laughs> I guess when in doubt, blame the black man, though, 
for all of your losses and your disrespect. The last place that I have seen black male blame is with the woman king and this whole thing around that. See, the movie a few weeks ago made close to 20 million with a 50 million dollar budget. And I think as of two days ago, I read that it, it just about broke even. But the point I'm trying to make is overall, this was a flop. And two weeks ago, they knew it was a flop. As I have said before, the movie was a breeding ground for agenda pushing, and I think a lot of people were hip to that this time. It really divided folks, and many of us were not really down for what they were doing. And that is why the narrative has become that black men are to blame for why the movie flopped. CNN put an article out, too, that was written by someone named Singa. I think that's how you say her name. Singa Burton, who sounded like a black woman from the diaspora who had a PhD. And she's a professor, film producer, journalist, and cultural critic. By the way, I just got to say, I don't know what it is about HBCUs, but they're like breeding grounds for coonery. I'm, she didn't go to HBCU or anything, I don't think. But that and a lot of the blacks who get PhDs in these different colleges, P, uh, HBCU or not, for some reason, they're just filled with the coon spirit. This woman has a PhD and I'm looking, I'm like, this is, I, I, I see the coon spirit coming out. It's like HBCUs and then like regular colleges where someone gets a PhD, the black people who come out of these situations, they got the coon spirit real heavy, real coon energy, I would call it. Anyway, she made this article where she stated where were similar calls about films like 12 Years a Slave, Django Unchained, or The Good Lord Bird. Films about the slave trade given copious creative license in their portrayal of characters, storylines, and the institution of slavery itself. Here is inherent value in a film about a dynamic group of black women warriors many had not heard of from a West African kingdom most could not find on a map who challenged the notion of male supremacy. This woman has a damn PhD. There is no way she can be this dumb to have not studied the history of the Dahomey warriors and what they did or point out the romanticization of the black woman in that tribe as if they were moral compasses as was depicted in the movie. Also, I talk about trauma porn all the damn time. Most of the movies mentioned did receive criticism, at least for me and other black men that I know. And did she really just throw Django in there like it was non-fictional? Sure, one could say he was loosely based on Bass Reeves, but the story didn't romanticize a true event and twist it around to make it seem like women in the tribe were conflicted of their decisions due to their moral compass. Matter of fact, Jangle was one of the best out of the slave-esque films because there were a lot of powerful things that went on there. Outside of white saviorism, the movie had a legit black male protagonist that went through hell and high water to get his woman and took down the racist slave owners and the coon in Steven who tried to sabotage him. Anyway, the point is because something negative 
happened with the movie or it didn't go as planned. They just tried to find a way to put it on the black man despite the fact that many of the queens too also weren't rocking with the Woman King movie. The white liberals greenlit this type of shit. They're the ones who told these flunkies that it was our fault that we didn't support the movie. And, you know, the rest of black girl magic media who thought this movie was a damn flex. For a group of black folks who want to get behind liberals to talk about fighting against racism and white supremacy from white men and women, y'all sure as hell are quick to listen to those same white men and women who will come into our communities and disrespect the men. You know, speaking of Woman King, I got to tell y'all about the return of Big Sassy and how she came back. But I'll get into that a little bit later because I got a couple other things I want to cover. Oh, and one more thing. I just wanted to point this out. I saw in the article, too, that um, old girl had just talked about how she said that something about male supremacy. Don't you love how black men get crowbarred into this whole male supremacy thing? Like, we're like the, the faces of toxic masculinity, as I said before. Even she said it in the damn article. Well, she alluded to it in the article. Hold on one second, y'all. Listen, one of the reasons I made this podcast is because I have been seeing far too much shitting on black men. I mean, we are given the blame for other folks' shortcomings. We are talked down to. We are talked over. We are disrespected. We are unheard. I mean, literally, everywhere I go, I notice some subtle disrespect. It don't matter if it's the grocery store, the mall, the restaurants, workplaces. I have seen unnecessary disrespect to black men just for being who we are everywhere I go. It has happened to me, and I have seen it happen to other black men as well, too. People are just conditioned to treat us like absolute shit and talk to us all types of greasy. Specifically, I hear a lot of disrespect given to black men who are poor. I mean, every black person in society gets told by white supremacists that they need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. But it's especially bad for black men because of the manhood aspect. The idea that the world, especially your own women, see you as a person who should be able to provide. And also the idea of black men wanting to be able to provide as well, too. It's literally just a part of manhood. There are numerous obstacles that prevent many black men from being successful financially that no other select group has to face. And yes, Sisters, they face discrimination too, but there are a few things even that they can get away with that we can't. For example, we can't go into a workplace speaking in Ebonics or with too many imperfections. I have been in the workplace with many black women who will go around and say shit like liked it did or liked it and no one bats an eye. Really, you could be a low-key hood rat and as long as you are willing to embarrass a black man as a black woman, and I want to make it clear, this is not an attack on all black women because there's a lot of you all who don't do shit like this, but there's, there's enough who do for me to call it a thing. 
If you do this, you'll be just fine. I typically see this through, though, in a lot of black women who are 40 plus. But again, this is not an all the time thing. The point is that your game as a black man has to be crisp and you have to be on point with every damn move you make because everyone in the workplace will scrutinize you and hyper analyze every single thing that you do. If not, a black man with a voice is seen as a threat and that's why others feel the need to neutralize the threat. The point I'm trying to make to you is between black men getting put in prison for things they either didn't do or for undeserved time and get out and not be able to find a job between ill treatment in workplaces, poor leadership from older generations and many other factors. It is easy for black men to walk around and not be financially prosperous. And despite the way that we are attacked and kicked down by the world, some of our women shame us by calling us broke. And what makes it worse is that even sometimes other black men even will go and make arrogant ass comments like, well, if this nigga ain't making money, it's his own damn fault. It's too many ways to be making money out here for you to be broke and shit. If you, if I can do it, he should be able to do it too. Well, fortunately enough for you, your hard work with luck, combined with luck, that is, paid off and it worked in your favor. And this is what I would say in response to a dude who said that but niggas who do this are the worst and sometimes i gotta admit to y'all i kind of hope that they at least go through somewhat of a hard time the ones who talk shit that is so that they can experience what it's like to be down on their own luck and of course not permanently because i want all black people to eventually succeed but just enough for you to see what it's like to have to be able to suffer since you have such arrogant comments to make about black people who are just not getting it popping like you you, the truth is you never know someone's story or what they went through and how they got to where they are. I mean, they could have lost their job and had a difficult time getting another. They could have all types of loans. It could be literally any damn thing. If all it took was for a black man to hustle, get on his grind and outwork everyone, we wouldn't have a major issue with black men being poor for real. You shouldn't judge because the truth is most of you all are just one bad day, one missed paycheck, one funky ass ordeal from being exactly where that person that you were criticizing is at. Stop letting people posting accomplishments on social media fool you. Anyone can be down just like that. And I think the major part of this discussion comes from the idea that we as black men can't lead if we are broke and to me that's just a bunch of disrespectful word salad you're just tossing words and shit around without meaning leadership is not a quality that is financially based finances can be a tool to make things happen more effectively and easily but leadership is about many things including integrity morals assertiveness ambition wisdom honesty vision and follow through and i don't know why folks are so damn concerned about leadership and money when you can look at the black celebrities that we got and see that only a handful a very very small handful are 
real agitators who were trying to be effective in black empowerment and leadership. The majority will do anything for money and individual success, that is. Leadership is about character, not full pockets. There are black people with big pockets with money that they have earned from cooning away all day. The idea that these two are equated is a total myth, and frankly, it shows how white supremacy has warped the way that we even respect our people. Another thing that I've been hearing is that we get coddled and need tough love and make excuses, which is also far from true. If we get any type of damn love, because we really don't get a whole lot of love from the world, it's usually tough word or love, to be honest. And sometimes what we really need is someone to extend their hand out and be of assistance. We don't mope around. We don't pout because one, we know no one cares Two, because we actually are out here doing the work. The idea that we are doing this, that we're doing all these little things that people are saying we're doing is a myth. And it's a myth by people who don't take time to understand us and don't know what we go through or deal with. A couple years back, I had a conversation, a really, really long conversation with one of my friends about this very topic. And his conjecture was that if a dude like him could make it out of the hood and have a decent job, why couldn't other people do the same? And we went back and forth on this for probably about an hour or so. And this man was set on the belief that there are too many ways to be successful and that a black man who hasn't had some level of success just needs to get more on his grind and get with the program. He said that in so many words. I'm not saying exactly, but I'm paraphrasing. Then a few years later, I had a conversation with him on the phone when I was at the store and he told me that he was having some issues at his job. And eventually he actually lost his job. As a matter of fact, they were mistreating him and doing all this weird stuff and microanalyzing him and being disrespectful. And he ended up losing his job because of like the treatment that they basically gave him. And I love this brother dearly, by the way. So I'm not saying I wish this on him, despite what I said earlier. If anything, I actually tried to pull strings to see if I could try to get him at some some work at my job, as a matter of fact. But the point I'm trying to make is that this could easily be you. And he exemplified that from going from making the statement that he made years before and then being in a situation where he didn't have his job. Again, this is not to disrespect him or to talk trash about him, but I'm just trying to exemplify something that I actually have seen happen to somebody who I know. A lot of times a black man has all the ambition in the world, but no one is there to direct it in the right direction because he has never been shown the right kind of game. This is one of the reasons I say we need to advocate for reparations because it could help these black men who would do very well if they had the capital and resources that were stolen from them by white families. Recently, brother Marcel Dixon, who ran against Jim Clyburn in South Carolina in the 6th District for a seat in the House of Representatives, spoke about this on a Twitter space. And by the way, shout out to that brother. He's very thorough and he has a lot of great content. If y'all are not up on this man, you need to be. He is breaking the mold and running a reparations campaign. And we as black people, those of us who are on code, are trying to get in and are trying to get into the political arena, really need to follow suit on what he's doing. He's making a lot of great things happen, and he's quite an inspiration. I can't lie. So anyway, 
he spoke on what I'm talking about as well, too. And one thing he talked about is how he even knew of black men who had master's degrees in engineering who were struggling to find work. And this brings me to talk about something that is personal in my own life. One of the reasons why this topic is so personal to my own experience is because I myself actually have a chemical engineering degree that I spent seven years trying to achieve. I finally did, and in my first job experience, I experienced issues of racial profiling that led to an orchestrated termination. And I want to be clear, this wasn't my first experience with racism in general, but it was a catalyst for me in some of my endeavors today that I speak about and some of the things that I, I do on social media. In the city I lived in, which at the time was Grand Rapids, and anyone who knows Grand Rapids knows that there's a shit ton of anti-black racism there, I couldn't find a job. I had this termination, and any related job in that field didn't want to look at me because they were clicked in with the folks who did this to me. I searched and applied for nearly 400 jobs. I'm going to be totally honest with you. And that was in less than a year's worth of time. And all the tweaking of the resume, mock interviewing, and all that other shit did not help me at all. I tried to settle for gigs, or I had to settle for gigs, that had nothing to do with my degree because I had to pay my loans that were coming my way unless I wanted to keep deferring them and letting that bill rise. I even looked in other states, and the whole not having experience thing was an issue, too. There are a lot of there's a lot more to the story, to be honest. But the point I'm trying to make here is that you have an educated black man who went to a prestigious high school, got a chemical engineering degree and was, by the way, the only brother that year in that in the whole college to actually get that degree. And this was what I went through. And on top of that, too, I was sharp as a tack. I still am sharp as a tack. And the only factor that really messed me up was the color of my skin. But this really is just one situation. My situation is one situation. This has been a factor for many black men, though, who don't even really tell the story, per se. You can be all these things from, as a lot of people like to say, articulate, thorough, confident, intelligent, and something outside all of that can easily hold you back. Now, I want to take a moment to talk about the return of your girl, Big Sassy. So for those of you who listened to my podcast episode where I spoke about Big Sassy, I spoke about her being rude when I spoke about my concerns on the new Black Panther movie that's coming out in November and the Woman King movie. So I had a post where I spoke about the woman King and she decided to try and come on my post and talk about, talk about how my followers were clueless and that I should try watching the movie before commenting and all this other bullshit. So I got tired of her trolling and babbling and just coming on the post with this stank ass energy. And eventually I got rid of her ass and unfollowed her because the only two times that this clay face looking hunk of a woman came onto my post was to be rude and not even add anything constructive to the conversation. So you know how 
on Instagram, they have that feature where you can discover other profiles similar to yours. So I go on there to try to find new platforms that I want to mutually support with Instagram. And there happened to be this video of Big Sassy that she created on there as if this was somebody that Instagram was trying to suggest for me to follow. So on there, she had a video she made where she was telling a story about her disagreements on the woman king and the conversation she had with me, actually, although she didn't say my name. And then she talked about a conversation that she had with some other folks whom she speak, spoke to in, I think, a barber shop. And I'll explain how I know it's me, by the way. So she made this video about four days or so after we had unfollowed one another when I had made that post. And, and in other words, she was still on some shit that I had moved on from. So she's getting roasted today because she decided to try to bring up some old shit. So the title of this video, by the way, that she had was called Rebutting Black Men, colon, The Woman King. And I would say this was an extreme jackass moment, but it's more like a mammoth moment for her. Her big sassy ass thought it would be cool to quote unquote remember and rehash some shit that we had already done talked about. So first, by, by starting off, let me read to you what she posted before I talk about what she said in the damn video. Rebutting black men on the woman king. It's disappointing and infuriating to see black women constantly attacked by black men. The common theme is a strong black woman erases the man, i.e. there's no need for a man if a woman can live in her own strength and purpose. This line of thought usually leads to a woman's role and place and, and place are, parenthesis, spoiler, obedient and beneath a man. One IG poster started in on Wakanda forever. He was outraged by all the powerful black women in the trailer. Where are the black men? He screamed. <laughs> That's so dramatic. I would rather they replace Chadwick Boseman than put a woman in the Panther suit, even though that's how it happened in the comic book. Okay, bruh. He went from outrage with Wakanda forever. Parentheses. We all know it hasn't even been released yet. To outrage with Woman King. He loves Viola. Of course he does. But how dare she call herself a king? His woman king post is at the end of my video commentary. Pause and screenshot and screenshot to it to read. I was able to verbally rebut this idiocy in a barbershop. The loud and wrong men called me sexist for insisting that black men are not the only ones in danger. Why you got to keep bringing up black women, they yelled. They called me a bougie Christian for saying I want an equal partner in marriage. What do you think you are, white? Talking about a partner. Why don't you want a husband, in all capital letters? Or do you mean you're a lesbian? They laughed uproariously. They kept repeating in different ways that men and women are not equal as something ordained by God. I asked for scripture. They had none. The thing that choked me into a stutter was that each of them claimed they were good men. Truly stunning to me. 
Nothing they said represented goodness. How can you be a good man when you don't even see the goodness you're claiming for yourself in the woman God created? What's good about inferiority? You think women are less than? How is that honorable? How is that praiseworthy? For those who have seen the movie, what are your thoughts? For those who don't want to see the movie, what are your reservations? Okay, so I read that entire thing, and I'm going to be totally honest with you. I don't even believe that the conversation actually happened that way, because the story that she told about me was some horse shit. Because, let's kind of like go back up here a little bit. When she said here, and I'm like going to kind of scroll up as we're talking here. First of all, she made a, a silly ass assumption when she said a common thing theme is a strong black woman erases the black man. There's no need for a man if a woman can live in her, her own strength and purpose. The line of thought usually leads to what a woman's role and place are obedient and beneath a man. I didn't say that shit. I did not say that shit. I did not say that shit one fucking bit. As a matter of fact, what I have basically said was that erasure is based off of the fact that white supremacists want to use the black woman and try to displace her strengths and weaknesses so that it appears as though she does not need the black man. They're doing that. I'm not saying that that's, that that's the dynamic that's necessarily happened between black, black men and women from a major extent. But there are a lot of black women and even some men, too, who are buying into that narrative really being a thing when it's not true. That's really what I said. And that's what I've said many times, as you probably have heard me speak. The only thing that I even semi agree with is the, the thing about the strong black woman that erases the black man. I only semi even agree with that because of the fact that. If a white supremacist is portraying that, it's because it's for the idea of showing that this woman, if she's portrayed as like this strong woman, is actually disrespectful to her, but she doesn't know it because what she's really doing is she's uh, it's making it so that she doesn't have, need a man to be able to be like the, the quote unquote strength. So it displaces like what is seen as like certain roles within like the black community. So to me, it, I think that there's there's some truth to that statement because white supremacy does that so that, you know, the image of a strong black man is not really seen. So the only thing that they have they can really deal with there is a woman. And, it, and they're doing that to create an issue between like the man and the woman, really. The another, next part that I want to deal with here is she said something about how I said I was outraged by all the powerful black women in the trailer. That's not what I said. I didn't say I was outraged by the powerful black women in the trailer. As a matter of fact, what I said was that there are a lot of black women in the trailer and there aren't a lot of black men. And I'm trying to understand why it feels like a lot of the black men were erased. My focus was on the lack of black men, not necessarily the overabundance of black women alone. I didn't say that. And then she said, I said something about, I would rather they replace Chadwick Boseman than put a woman in the Panther suit, even though that's what happened in the comic book. Now, she conflated two statements. What I said was, I'd rather they would have replaced Chadwick Boseman because of the fact that I felt like there was more that he could have done, which was true. There is more that he that he could have done, but they didn't care. They did that on purpose. And yes, I made a mention that Shuri 
did become Black Panther in the comics. But what I said was that it was too soon because Chadwick Boseman could have done more. I stand by that statement. So this dumbass decided to just conflate the two statements. And she said that I screamed it. How the fuck do I scream the shit on social media when I made a post about it? How can I scream that? I'm trying to understand that. That don't make no sense. So she's dramatizing the story. Then she said, I was outraged with Wakanda forever, although it hadn't been released as if I didn't know that. And then I was outraged by the woman King and how I said, I love Viola, but I don't care about her, about her calling herself a King. She's just conflating a bunch of shit and just babbling at this point. She's taking partial truths and mashing them together to try to make a statement. I hate when people do that because they're not being truthful and they're creating straw man arguments based off of the thing that they actually created. That is totally disingenuous to me. So let's start there. I'm just going to be honest. She's full of shit and her mouth is full of food. So. Let's scroll down to talk so I can talk about the video with y'all. So, in the video, she started off by saying that this video is ridiculous. She had a ridiculous, she said, she said, I had my first ridiculous barbershop experience. This chick couldn't even say ridiculous correctly. It's ridiculous, sweetheart. As in, your weight is ridiculous. As in, you have a ridiculous appetite. As in, it's ridiculous that you look like a chocolate version of Majin Buu. I should call your ass Majin Buu Buu. <laughs> anyway, so she said that she had a ridiculous barbershop experience. And I mean, I'm sure it was ridiculous. I can only imagine what it looked like when you sat in the barber chair at the barbershop and it collapsed. She was talking about how at first it was funny because they had a lot of trash talk in the shop, but then it got to the point where they, they, were, they had this debate about the woman king and the Bible. The, the conversation about the Bible segued into talking about the woman king. And then she made a point to say she is loving her some woman king now. It also looks like she's loving a big-ass plate of butter biscuits, too. But anyway, so at, at some point, she had the men in there saying that they weren't going to see it. And she interjected that she thought it was good. Some people told her that it wasn't historically accurate, and it was entertainment, and she was upset about this. She also complained about black men saying, what's up about the title Woman King? So her conjecture is that in the movie, they literally had women who were trying to stop the slave trade from happening. And if you watch the full movie, you would see that she then made the claim that she is seeing a lot of social media posts about black male erasure. And she claims that anything dealing with showing a woman empowered and intelligent is considered black male erasure to people who make these complaints. And she said that it's, the biggest bullshit of bullshit. No big sassy. Your weight is the biggest bullshit of bullshit. You looking like a land whale is the biggest bullshit of bullshit. Now, let's address your actual talking points, though. First of all, no Dahomey women that were involved in the transatlantic slave trade 
were a moral compass as you're trying to make it seem. There wasn't this altruistic endeavor of black women in the tribe to stop what they were doing in Dahomey. Like it, it really just wasn't a thing. And to say that shit is disingenuous and is a straight lie. And knowing is no one is actually even saying that black male erasure comes from black women being intelligent and powerful because that's what she was trying to say. That black black men think that their erasure is coming from black women being intelligent and powerful. White supremacists give black women masculine features to say the black men are not needed. They make the black men look weak to disrespect and erase them and throw and agendas to confuse our community on how to view one another. Masculinity and femininity won't even have a definition anymore because of their need to over-portray blacks as not being part of a monolith. And on top of all of that, they aren't making you all intelligent, quote-unquote. They're disrespecting you by making you all seem cold, aggressive, and then turning around and making you dark-skinned. To me, that's kind of damn dumb, to be honest with you, and you're going the fuck along with it, so that's even dumber. White supremacy is the culprit in this. And some of you coons just went right along with the agenda. The only black women who are getting shafted here are the ones who are willing to delve into coonery like yourself. And you know what I think it is, though? I I think it's too many bologna sandwiches. They've kind of gone to this trick's head. Don't you know bologna isn't good for you, ma'am? Or did you trick yourself into believing it was healthy? Just like you convinced yourself that this movie was about empowering women instead of being disingenuous. Your stomach's kind of showing the results, though. Anyway, she then said she can't comprehend how this is a thing. And I would say it doesn't seem like you comprehend very much like what a diet is or a treadmill is. And she keeps alluding to not understanding how black women's empowerment got to black male erasure and at this point I was trying to listen but it got hard because she was laughing like a big ass hyena with that big sassy ass mouth she also kept explaining how the title of the woman king was stowed upon a woman by the king and talking about how the movie portrayed the slave trade and yes that is why I said they romanticized the story not left the part out. She's trying to make it seem like me and maybe even some others, and I'm not going to speak for them, but are saying that they left that part out. I never said they left that part out. I said that they're trying to romanticize it. I said that they made the woman, the women in the Dahomey tribe, the moral compass, when that really wasn't a thing. I said that they were disingenuous in the way that they tweaked the story to make it a thing about women being the voices of reason when there was nothing like that. These were the kings and queens of coonery. She said one of the one of the people who were at the barbershop too made a point about why they didn't just call her queen, call the the woman queen, the woman king the woman the queen. And really her argument was that it was because she wasn't his wife. <sighs> oh Lord. Family, let's she's just saying any damn thing. Why would a king bestow his leadership upon a, first of all, a random ass woman back then, let alone calling her a king? 
he probably would have just done that to another man who he felt could lead. This woman is just living in la-la land and rolling with whatever the fuck she wants to say. Shit, let me be careful, because... And I shouldn't say the term roll because she might get hungry if I say that shit. So I'm going to kind of be careful about my words. And, you know, she could very well be listening because, I mean, she took the time to bring up all this shit. Anyway, so at the end of the video, she showed my post where I showed I had issues with the movie. And then I think she also showed someone else's post as well, too, at the end of this video. She left my name out of it. And, you know, when I saw this, I said to myself, next time, Big Sassy, make sure you tag me in that shit. You're up here scrolling up and down on my post and shit like it's a damn McDonald's menu. I, I need you to, to let everybody know that that was me. Next time, let that shit be known. So... This tells me one of two things, family. Either she screenshot my post beforehand or she took her big ass time to go back to my page after unfollowing me just to go back and rope me into her conversation with the stylists and barbers that she was having an argument with. Ma'am, please get your big Shrek looking ass off of my page. See, these are the type of people that you got to watch out for. A bunch of big ass coons. By the way, speaking of big ass coons, in the comments, there was a woman who commented and said something about how she cannot with these fragile ass egos. And this woman was over here in the picture, in, the, in this picture I was looking at of her, and she had on this ugly ass dress and she was shaking back and forth looking like a decorated Christmas tree. And she had the nerve to come on, the, on there and like try to co-sign. I'm like, oh, so we got big sassy number two on the same tip, huh? Anyway. So there was also this gay man, too, who wrote a big-ass paragraph below. And this dude was typing in all caps like he was a Section 8 hood rat or some shit. And he was saying shit like, uh, um, you know, in, instead instead of coming together, uh, I hope we, we, we help it, uh, one another rise up. They just look to their captures to help, and that'll never happen. <laughs> this, this nigga said happen. This goofy Negro's hood rat energy was so strong that he was making new words and shit i mean sorry I, it, that was so bad i kind of want to go back and just read like reread the whole post of what he said this this is the, this nigga's comment i want you all to hear this shit these are the type of people who support big sassy's big ass unfortunately bm know their social economic status here in the u.s they know they lack ambition they know they aren't within the God-given gifts and power. That's in all caps, by the way, God-given gifts and power. They know Black BW are actually acceding higher and higher through the cracks of the ceilings. That shit was in capital letters, too. They hate y'all success. They hate when orgs help y'all's businesses. They want white men to help them. White men, he put um, the Y and then T and he capitalized it. To help them, he capitalized all that. They're looking to their, to their captures. Like, does he mean captors? Or capturers? Like, is that what he means? He keeps saying captures. But anyway, they're open enemy for them to help make them whole. I don't know what the fuck that means, but that's what he said. Then he says, 
That's foolish thinking. Foolish thinking is in capital letters. Instead of coming together to help one another rise up, capital letters, they just took their captures to help in, they'll never happen win. That was in capital, never, never happen win. I don't know what the fuck happen win is. Never happen win was in capital letters too. I'm a black man myself who loves the same gender and who was blessed by God, God's in capital letters, with the usage of both feminine and masculine energy. So I see through a different lens from dominant society heterosexuals. I sit back and I watch the relationships between BW and BM and my faces are a mixture of, and he posted like, um, what was it here? Three, six, nine, 12, 15 different types of emojis. And I don't know what the fuck any of them mean. It's like their insecurities and Eaquadeeks. I don't know what the hell that is. Eaquadeeks. <laughs> she probably, probably, he probably been to say inadequacies, but I don't know what the fuck this word is. Cause them cause them to view y'all with disgust, with disdain, with envy, and he capitalized envy. They view y'all, y'all's in capital letters, just like the same dope dealer views the big, the big do dealer. He probably meant to say dope, but he said do. Like he put D O O E. This damn, this damn hood rap man was typing so bad that he was making new words and shit. They want to take them out. And he had three O's, two U's, and four T's and out. And they were all in caps. So they can be the big dog. But from my observations, and this was, is in all caps, BW want BM to B, and he just put the letter B, not even BE, the letter B, the big man. But also B keep their integrity and be morally sound with their power. Then at the bottom, he posts, if the woman King was called the man King, man Kings in capital letters, same storyline, same everything, but just switch women with men. And I bet my bottom dollar capital letters BM would be supporting it and would be laying out the same argument you're laying out. That was in capital letters. The shave aspect is not the problem. The problem is Hollywood showing BW as powerful. That was in capital letters. Man, so, okay. That was the end of it. That was painful to read. That hurt my mouth. That hurt my head. I'm sure that hurt your ears. So, that's a um, hood rat babble, I guess. But, so this man, like, sat on here and just type like a section eight princess like i just don't really fucking get like even what he was saying because like he was spelling words so wrong and i don't know it just it just wasn't making no sense to me despite that y'all heard that y'all heard how crazy that sounded and then big sassy's big ass had the nerve to go underneath the comment and say that that was a great analysis <laughs> like this is the <laughs> This is the chick who's up here calling people idiots and talking about idiocy and how it's a bunch of bullshit. Like, that's a great analysis to your ass. <laughs> Man, this is too damn easy. Too, too damn easy. Anyway, y'all, that's the end of the episode. I hope y'all enjoyed it. I hope y'all got some laughs. I hope this was constructive and y'all got to, you know, get some good insight on some of the things that we covered. 
I will have a lot more to come. I have a total of eight episodes left, so I hope you all continue to tune in and listen to what I have to, you know, tell you all about and what I have to talk about. But anyway, again, I hope you all have a good rest of y'all's night, and I'll be talking to y'all soon. Peace.